Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are coming to the fourth item on the list of four paradoxes of reputation found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. And then when we finish that item, we will move on to the last part of this list, which is five paradoxes of circumstances. Recalling, as I'm sure you do if you're a regular listener to this broadcast, that there are three lists, each of them with nine items, which makes me think that Paul constructed this very carefully and very deliberately. The symmetry, the... the balance of the lists suggests that nine in this list, nine in the second list, nine in the third list. It suggests that Paul thought these through very carefully. And so you recall the first list of nine are nine hardships and trials that were suffered by the Apostle Paul in his life as a minister of the gospel. And then the second list of nine items in verses six and seven are nine graces or enablements that are needed to overcome suffering and to be a faithful and fruitful minister of Christ and a faithful and fruitful follower of Christ, not necessarily a minister in the formal sense, but a faithful Christian who serves the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're going to need these nine graces or enablements in order to rise above the sufferings that we will experience as followers of Christ. We'd better get ready for it. And then number three, there are nine paradoxes of ministry, which are a, a perplexing a perplexing list because by its very definition, a paradox is something that appears to be impossible. It appears to be a contradiction. It appears to be nonsense in at first glance, and yet when it's studied thoughtfully and carefully, it is it is found out to be true and to be very insightful into some areas of life that we need to understand. And we find paradoxes all throughout the Bible, and particularly in the book of Proverbs, but there are nine of them here. And so I'll pause to welcome you to this Tuesday, February 21 edition of the Beacon Broadcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for helping us financially to maintain this ministry on the station. What are the nine paradoxes? Verse 8, by honor and dishonor. That's a... (laughs) I I don't want to keep going back to the ones we've covered, but that's a paradox. That's a puzzle. 
How can both be true? That's a seeming contradiction. How can the same person both be honorable and dishonorable? Well, it's because this is what what one's reputation is like. To some people, one the same person is honorable, and to other people, the, the very same person that's honorable to some is dishonorable to others, and so forth. So by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, same person, some are going to commend him and say good things about him, and other people are going to run him down, say bad things about him. Number three, as deceivers and yet true, thought to be deceivers by some, but wrong, slanderously claimed to be deceivers by some who know better, but the fact of the matter is they are true. And much of that, of course, depends upon a person's viewpoint of the Bible. If thinking of Paul or other ministers of the gospel, as well as all Christians, but if a minister of the gospel is faithfully preaching the word of God, and he's preaching truth because he is preaching the word of God, and God's word is true, but this is something that some people have rejected, and they have convinced themselves that the Bible is not true, that the Bible contains lies, it contains deception, it deceives people. That's the charge that many unbelievers make against it. You can see why a person who is being totally honest, totally truthful, totally straightforward, totally faithful in the proclamation of God's Word will be thought by those who believe God's Word to be true and will be thought by those who don't believe God's word to be a deceiver because he's proclaiming a book that they consider to be deceptive. And so on it goes. You've got to get ready for these paradoxes of life and of ministry. And then the fourth paradox that has to do with reputation is as unknown and yet well-known, the fickleness of fame. The first one is the foibles of honor. The second one is the shallowness of human opinion. The third one is the misconception of critics. And the fourth one is the fickleness of fame, which goes something like this. As ministers of the gospel and as believers in general, we are pretty much considered to be nobodies as evaluated by the world, but may be well-known and, and, and widely known among Christians. The same person, unknown by the world, or if they even are aware of them, consider you, consider me, consider ministers of the gospel to be nobodies. (laughs) They're of no value to society. They're of no influence in this world. I'm interested in people who are famous in Hollywood. I'm interested in people who are famous in sports. I'm interested in people who are famous in politics. I'm interested in people who are famous in in the business world, in, in uh, commerce, and have made themselves rich. And you want me to consider this preacher <laughs> to be of any particular value in this world? Not likely. I don't even know who that guy is, is what a lot of people would say. Some of the very people that we 
esteem very highly and are well known to us. I don't know who your your well known preachers are, your your favorite preachers, but I could list several. I won't do it just because I don't want to to uh, get you thinking about someone that is highly valued and important and well-known to me that may not be to you. You may have others. I'm surprised from time to time to find that some people would put me in that category because they hear me on the radio and they think I must be a a big shot <laughs> radio preacher, and I can promise you I'm not. Anybody who knows me personally, anybody who investigates our church will find out we're, we're not any movers and shakers in this world, but I'm thankful for anybody who finds this ministry to be, what should I say, impactful enough to think that we are somebodies, that we are well-known to them. We're well-known because they listen to us regularly. And I have my preachers in that category, men that I have listened to over the years that have been a great help to me, men that I love to listen to when I have opportunity. And to me, they are well-known, but if I mention them to somebody who's not a Christian, they probably are totally unknown. I can, I can remember, to give you one example, I will, I will make a, uh, mention a name here because this is someone who is now with the Lord. But I can remember the first time that I had the opportunity to spend a few hours, and it was just a few short hours, in London, England. I was actually between planes. This goes back several decades now. And I was on a trip, I think, to Africa. And back then, that was before you could get a, a direct flight from America to Africa because the planes didn't couldn't fly that many miles. Now they can. Now now. When I go to Africa from time to time on mission trips, I can board a plane in New York or Atlanta, either one, and go all the way to Johannesburg, South Africa, clear at the bottom of the African continent, all in one trip. Planes have improved that much. But back then, that wasn't possible, so you always had to, to change planes. So you would fly into some European city and then catch another plane and fly from that city to Africa, and sometimes I think even have to make a fuel stop in, say, Nairobi, Kenya, before continuing on to Johannesburg, South Africa, because planes just didn't go that far. So all that long explanation, I was in London, and I had eight hours between planes. And I was excited because I was going to Take, take the opportunity to explore London a little bit. But what I was really interested in seeing was the Metropolitan Tabernacle, Charles Spurgeon's church. And that is so well known to me and to so many Christians. I didn't think it would be difficult to find, but of course I didn't know how to get there. So I went to a, to a booth in the airport that was there to help tourists who wanted to find different places in London and I said, tell me how to get to the Metropolitan Tabernacle. They said, what? What's that? I said, you know, the, the church that was pastored by Charles Spurgeon. I thought everybody in London would know this, this famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon, who really was widely known in his day. And they said, who? They didn't know. And I think they helped me find the number in the phone book so that I made a call 
to the Metropolitan Tabernacle and got somebody in the office. And they told me how to get there. So I did. I got on the tube, as they call it there, the underground, and made my way and got off at the right place. There's a shopping mall right across the street from the Metropolitan Tabernacle. I can't remember now. It's been so many years ago what the what that particular train station is, but I got off at the right place and went and visited the Metropolitan Tabernacle. But what a surprise to find that somebody that to me is so well-known and his is so well-known even to millions of Christians across the world today was totally and completely unknown to that person who was supposed to be knowledgeable about all of the places of interest in London, and they never heard of Charles Spurgeon, and they never heard of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And I could give you a couple of other examples just just like that, but I won't take the time to do that. But I've had a similar experience in other places with other men that I thought were well-known. Surely you can tell me where this man used to preach, where where that is. I, I In one case, I was only a block away, but I couldn't find anybody who knew where it was until finally I found, a. this again was in London, a policeman who said, oh yeah, my grandparents used to take me there when I was a boy, and I remember that, that preacher, I know who you're talking about, and he told me where to go, and about a block or two away, there it was, but nobody knew about it. That was, that was nothing to the world, a nobody. Well, that's what Paul is talking about here as unknown to the world, and yet well-known to God's people who love the Bible and who love truth, as unknown to the world, but well-known in heaven, the fickleness of fame. Don't make worldly fame your ambition. That's a fool's errand. Just be faithful to God and let him make you as widely known or as little known as pleases him and be content with that. We've got to learn these things. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.